to the band. I appreciate it. I know earlier this fall I kept promising you that we would turn, return to the Gospel of John. And uh, it's okay. No, I'm not, I haven't returned to the Gospel of John. That's what he's asking, right? No, I, I, I haven't returned to the Gospel of John. Um, you know, we were in the Psalms for a while and then, because I needed to be, and then uh, it seemed good because there were a number of topics that I haven't preached about in a really long time. And as a pastor of an international church, you feel like you need to touch on certain things on a semi-regular basis anyway. Um, so we talked about the Bible. It is the Word of God. doesn't matter how you know, uh, strong the world denies it. Uh, the Bible is the Word of God. It's uh, self-authenticating in many ways. Uh, we talked about baptism, the importance of baptism, what the New Testament teaches about baptism, why you should follow Christ in baptism if you haven't done so as a believer. Last week we talked about giving only because I don't really like to preach about giving too much, but I, 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 I feel like I'm neglecting my responsibility to you to remind you, you need to be investing in the kingdom of God. You need to be bullish on the kingdom. So we talked about that. And, you know, don't give here if you don't want to. It doesn't please God for anyone to give grudgingly or under compulsion, right? Christian, New Testament Christians are called to give cheerfully. If you're not cheerful when you come to the basket, forget about it. Just don't do it, right? It's all about the heart, man. It's all about desire. It's about worship. It's about joy. It's about the privilege to invest in the kingdom of God. So no compulsion here. God says you decide how much you want to do. It's New Testament giving. You decide. We're not under law. We either love Him or we don't. So that's where that is. And as I, thought, as I sought the Lord this week about what He would have me preach, uh, you know, we've been talking about some fundamental things. Uh, I... I think he just took me to maybe the most, one of the most basic fundamental issues, particularly for us living in, in uh, these multicultural times, and that is just religion. Um, what does the Bible have to say about religion? You hear me talk about it about every week. Because I always tell you, we're not religious. That's not who we are as followers of Christ. We are not religious people. We are people in love, right? It's relational. If it's real, it's relational. So I want to develop that a little bit as far as how you and I in this pluralistic world are to think about religion and how we are to talk about it and how we are to witness to our friends who are caught up in false religion. I think most of you know, if not all of you, understand what I'm trying to say when I say we're not religious. I think you know. Um, some hold, hold a different view of the word religion. I understand that. If you look it up in the dictionary, it sounds very legitimate. But I'm not basing my views on the dictionary. I'm basing my views on the Word of God and what God has clearly revealed through the history of Israel and even into the New Testament. So, to me, the word religion is it's a pejorative. It's, it's always in a negative context with respect 
to biblical Christianity. You have the world religions, but biblical Christianity is something completely different. Now, I know the world doesn't understand this distinction, but you should understand this distinction. Okay? You should understand this distinction, and that's one thing I want to talk about tonight. Anthropologists tell us that mankind is universally religious. In every culture, every place, and at every time in history, man has worshipped. Man has always worshipped something. From stars to bugs. You know, from, 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 from pleasure to power. Mankind has always worshipped. From, you know, in this, in this modern area, from even their, their atheism to scientism. Men always give their hearts to something. It's what, it's, it's, you know, it's what you give your heart to, right? It's where your affections lie. So, why do men not worship the true God? Why do most men not worship the true God? What's up with that? Why is there so much deception in the world? In light of this disturbing reality, um, it just seems wise for me to talk to some of you who are passing through. Some of you will be gone within weeks. And it just seemed good to talk about these issues. Again, biblical Christianity is completely distinct. I want you to understand this. I'm going to say it several times. It's completely distinct from all other world religions. There's absolutely no comparison at all. No comparison at all. Christianity is not about men finding or inventing something or someone to worship. Christianity is about worshiping the one true Creator, Redeemer, God. Christianity is not about men trying to fill the emptiness of their hearts with some kind of random uh, affections or indiscriminate pursuits, but it's about Jesus Christ filling up the hearts of His people. Christianity is not about men trying to justify themselves through religious performance. You know what it is. It's about Jesus Christ justifying Himself through His finished work on the cross, justifying His people through the finished work on His cross. So, you look, up, you look up religion in the dictionary and this is what you, you read. You read something like this. It's about men believing, being devout, being saintly, being pious, engaging in sacred expressions, having a spiritual attitude, pursuing an objective, and adhering to practices, rituals, and ceremony. Religion, world, the world religions are about man doing something. And pseudo-Christianity is about man doing something, okay? It's always about man doing something to make himself presentable to God. Whatever their concept of God is. It's about me doing something. Biblical Christianity is not about that. Biblical Christianity is about God doing something. Okay? <laughs> it's about God doing something. It's not about what you have done. It's about what God has done ultimately. Yes, of course, we must respond to the Gospel. But it's a done deal. Right? It's a done deal. All you have to do is come in faith. It's a done deal. It's over. You don't have to perform at all. You just come. Christianity is utterly unique in this regard. There's no other world religion like this. 
It's just men doing stuff. It's procedural, right? Again, biblical Christianity is relational. Beloved, the dictionary definition I just read to you about religion, you can do all of that all of your life and not know Christ. You can do all of those things all of your life and land in hell. Billions will. Billions have, in fact. So you remember what Jesus said on that last day to those who had been very religious. You remember what He said? They said, man, we, we did all this stuff. We did a ton of religious stuff. Matthew 7, and, and Jesus says what? You know what He said. What did Jesus say? Someone tell me. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good paraphrase. <laughs> Jesus says, I don't know you. And you know, biblical Christianity, you know, if someone asked me, what, give me one verse. One verse I would give is John 17, 3. This is eternal life that they may know you and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. It's all about knowing. It's all about relationship. So biblical Christianity, it's about God saving His people. Ephesians chapter 2, you were dead. It's that John 11 we just sang. You were dead. You were like Lazarus. You were in the tomb. It was all over. You were decomposing. It was all over for you. You can't do one thing. But what does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 2? God, I love this conjunction, the, the, the most important conjunction in, ever written in the human language, but God made us alive. God did it. You know, I hear people give testimony sometimes and it's like 95% them and 5% God. Can I, can I tell you in love, don't ever do that? Make your testimony all about God. Yeah, you're in there just a little bit, but really not very much. It's all by grace. It's all by sovereign grace. doesn't have a whole lot to do with you. Except you responded. When He called your name, you came out of the grave, right? You came out. Yeah, when you have to give a testimony, squeeze it down just as much as you can as far as you are concerned. Make it much about God. So religion is creature-made and man-centered. Biblical Christianity is God-made and God-centered. This is the, the divide between heaven and hell. God hates religion. Read the Old Testament. I'm reading through the Old Testament right now for research, and you can just, you know, God hates it, man. He hates pretense. He hates pretenders. He hates this. He hates, you know, people who talk about loving Him with their tongue, but their lives, their lives betray a whole different set of affections and allegiances, right? The Lord hates this. Biblical Christianity, it's not procedural. It's always relational. So I just want you to understand, it's in a whole different category. Biblical Christianity is in a whole different category. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to talk about pseudo-Christianity next week. Okay? This week we'll address, in general, the origin of the other false world religions.
Again, if Jesus Christ is God, and we have this, we have this amazing gift from God, why is there so much confusion? Why is there so much confusion in the world about who God is? Why so much spiritual muddle? So I thought it might be good. I think this is important for all of us or you don't really understand about false religion if you don't go back to the source. Some of you are pretty biblically literate. Uh, Some of you would be able to guess where I'm going to go with this. But why do world religions exist? Why do they exist? Because it is Satan's best con. Okay? World religion, it is Satan's best con. It is his best scam. He takes billions to hell with his false religions. Some of you are familiar with Ezekiel 28, 12-17. Most conservative theologians would agree that this passage is reaching behind the king of Tyre and is pointing at, at Satan. Just a couple of excerpts. You know from that text that Satan was the anointed cherub who covers. He had this privileged and honored position in close proximity to God. The text says he was beautiful. He was blameless. He was wise. And then it says, unrighteousness was found in him and he sinned. And God says to Satan, Ezekiel 28.17, Your heart was was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor, so I cast you to the ground. It's a picture of Satan. You also may be aware of Isaiah 14, verses 12-14. through Again, most conservative theologians would agree that, that, this, that this text reaches behind the king of Babylon and points to Satan. Let me just read part of it to you. Have you fallen from heaven, O star of the morning, son of the dawn? You've been cut down to the earth. You said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God and I will sit on the mount of assemblies. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High God. This is Satan. This is the cherub that covereth until unrighteousness was found in him. So, as you might suspect, you you get this question. I get this question a lot. Well, if God is good, why is there evil in the world? Now, you really need to be able to answer this question. If you don't know how to answer this question, you need to be able to do it. This is a, this is a huge impediment for most people uh, to uh, the proposition that we make that God is good. He is good. Well, they look at the world and they say, well, are you sure He's good? You need, to be, you, need, you need to be able to talk intelligently about this, beloved. It's one of my FAQs as a pastor. So we know Satan is part of the short answer here, right? Of course, you and I are the other part of the answer. So, if God is good, why does evil exist in the world? The short answer is this. I want you to listen. God created free will, moral creatures who departed from good. That's a... That's about as simple as I can make it, right? I mean, there have been volumes written about this, right? This is all you need to say. 
The short answer, God created free will moral creatures who departed from good. Sound biblical theologians would say it like this. I'm just going to read it to you. Evil arose from the moral choices of the good but changeable, the word mutable is used here, changeable creatures God created. Evil could not have arisen from God's immutable or unchangeable goodness, only from the mutable or changeable goodness of His creatures. The good creature chose to depart from goodness. It's what C.S. Lewis says, that, uh, that sin, that the fall angelic and human is just free will abused. It's just free will abused. Another way people ask this question, why did God create evil? Well, I was reading Genesis this week. Did God create evil? You get there to uh, Genesis 1.31. Behold, God saw all that He had made and it was very good. Does God create evil? I've always loved the analogy of heat and light. So what is cold? Is cold a thing? Or is cold just the absence of a thing? Cold is no thing. Darkness is no thing. It's the absence of light. It's the absence of a thing. I love this analogy. Evil in the heart of an angelic being or the heart of man is the absence of the love of God. Did God create evil? No. He did not create it. He did not create it. It is not a created thing. So, it is the free will absence of the love of God in the creature's heart from which evil arises. It is blasphemous to say evil came from God. But here's what I want you to hear. It is equally blasphemous to say evil did not come by God. (coughs) Which is to say, God was not able to stop His creatures from not loving Him. Of course God was able to stop His creatures from not loving Him. He chose not to. I like what C.S. Lewis says again here. He talks about how God made a live world. Not a toy one, right? God made a live world where men could rebel. Angels could rebel. His creatures could decide not to love Him. His creatures could decide to to love, you know, whatever they want to love preeminently. They didn't have to love Him. This is the kind of world that that He created. God certainly was able to stop His creatures from not loving Him. He just chose not to do that. He created, as I said, a live world. And your average conservative biblical scholar would say something like this, a good God obviously has good reasons to allow evil to arise out of His good creation. Can anyone think of what that might be? There's one obvious one, right? There's there's one that just screams from the pages of Scripture, right? The glory of Christ in the redemption of His people. That's enough for me, okay? Now, a more scholarly man may want to go deeper than that. I'm good with it. The glory of Christ. The glory of Christ and the redemption of His people. You know, people want to indict God when in fact we're the ones that did it. We 
We did it. We gave Satan dominion. We had dominion. We gave it. And people want to indict God about this. I would say you might want to be humble in this regard. It's our fault. The world's not messed up because God's messed up. The world's messed up because you and I are messed up. And we were in the loins of Adam. Romans chapter 5. Original sin. You say, Jim, I don't like original sin. I, I always tell you, it doesn't matter if you like it. All that matters is what God says. God says you were there. God says you're responsible. <laughs> you know, as I often tell you, you know, we just got to have a little humility. God says it. That's enough. Do you want to debate with infinite mind? Well, I counsel you against that. So Satan chooses to love God no more. We have chosen to love God no more. It's what we talk about so often with the young adults in this study we're going through. It's saying, I don't care what you say. When you consciously and with premeditation sin against what you know God has said, you, you don't use these words, you don't, you don't articulate it, but what you're saying by your life is, I do not care what you say. I don't care if you're God. I don't care what the Bible says. I don't care what the preacher says. I don't care. It's Adam and Eve all over again. It's the garden all over again. So it's what yeah, Satan sold to Adam and Eve. They had one prohibition. It's not like it was hard, right? They had one prohibition. Everything else was theirs to enjoy freely. They had one prohibition. It's not like they had ten. It's not like they had five. It's not like they had two. They had one. Don't eat that. They had one. God made it as easy as He could make it to have a live world where His creatures could choose to love Him and honor Him or choose not to love Him and honor Him. It was a live world. So, everything north, south, east, and west of the tree belonged to them. And I love I was reading C.S. Lewis this week and I love what he said. I'm just going to share it with you real quick. Um, he says, Adam and Eve wanted to be nouns, but they were and eternally uh, must be adjectives. Don't you love that? They wanted to be nouns. They wanted it to be about them. We've talked a lot about it, right? You want it to be about you if you're in rebellion against God. You think the whole world revolves around you, right? They want to be the noun, but all we can be is adjectives. We only exist and, and our, our life has meaning only in uh, connection to the eternal noun, the infinite noun, Jehovah God. I'm going to turn, if you, you can go with me if you'd like, to Genesis chapter 3. Um, get a little bit of text in here. I am teaching tonight more than preaching. Uh, Genesis 3, you know the account. I'm going to read the verse, first five verses here. Now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord had made. 
And he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the fruit of the tree which is in the middle of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat from it or touch it lest you die. And the serpent said to the woman, You surely shall not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It's interesting, isn't it? This is the first question in the Bible. Before this time, Adam and Eve obviously had no need for a question. Um, The first question is posed by the evil one. Satan says, indeed has God said. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago when we talked about the Bible. What is, what is Satan questioning? What is he questioning? God's Word, right? That's, that's the issue in the garden. God's Word and God. That's the issue in the garden. That's the issue in your life. God's Word and God. You say, Jim, no, I've got, I've got this problem. Well... I'm going to say to you what we've been saying to the young adults in this great book we're studying together. All the problems you think you have are truly vertical. It's all vertical. It's all vertical. It's all about God. Everything in your life, you're supposed to bring honor and glory to God through it. It's not about the reflection in the mirror. It's about you bringing glory and honor to God. So he's attacking. Satan is attacking the Word of God. He's attacking it. It's happening outside the church. And if you know anything about your church history or anything about what's going on in the contemporary church, it happens inside the church from false teachers. We'll talk more about that next week. He is attacking the Word of God. He's painting God as in a negative light. He's like, man, how dare God withhold anything from you? (laughs) Okay, you guys have heard this before, right? You've heard this in your mind. Well, why shouldn't I have that pleasure? Why shouldn't I own that piece of whatever it is? Why shouldn't I do this? Why can't I do this? God God must be a despot. It's unfair. You know what's being sold in Genesis 3, right? Victimhood. It's just victimhood. You're a victim here. God's holding out on you. I hate victimhood. (laughs) Listen, don't ever be a victim. It's the most unattractive thing. I think it's one of the most unattractive things I can think of. It's just be a victim. You are not a victim. If you're walking around on the planet, you're the beneficiary of the providential grace of God. You should be where I should be. You should be in hell, but you're not. You are not a victim. Nobody on earth is a victim, ultimately. Okay? Nobody. So, Eve has limitless freedoms. She has one restriction, and she can't stand it. Okay, this is for you and me. (laughs) God has put some boundaries in your life. We've been talking to the young adults about it. Are you going to cross the boundaries? Are you going to honor God's Word? Because Satan is saying to you, man, that's, that's not fair. That's not fair. I should be allowed to... You know, the culture says it's cool. 
Genesis 3 is a big deal. So we all, if we're sinners, and I know you all are, including myself, we all understand this argument. We've had this argument in our head many, many times. Eve gives a weak reply. Uh, she could have simply said, well, God said no, and that's enough. Is that what you do in the world? Is that what you do? God said no, that's enough. That's enough for me. That's the end of the debate. That's the end of discussion. Not for me. I'm not crossing the boundary. God said no. She could have said that. Is God's Word enough for you in the world? Can you just say, God says no, and I love Him and I trust Him? Can you just say that? When you're out in the world. So Satan moves beyond questioning the Word and he says to, to his lie, one of his lies, you shall certainly not die. He's saying God can't be trusted. Some of you have felt this in your heart. You feel like you've been in a hard spot. You, you feel like God can't be trusted. God's not dealing properly with me. Well, you're right in one sense because God should have sent you to hell a long time ago. So He's not really dealing properly with you. He's dealing in grace and mercy. Let's look here real quick at verse 6, Genesis 3. The woman saw the tree that it was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with, with her, and he ate, verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Many, and I'm sure you can see why, Many assert that this is the birth of human religion. They're trying to cover their nakedness by their own actions. Okay? So you understand the metaphor with the fig leaves. This is the impetus and the motivation and incentive of all human world religion. I will make myself presentable to God. I'll do it on my own. Don't need God's help. I'll do it on my own. This is the source of all world religions. This is the source. So I never want us to forget what happened in Genesis 3. Again, as we touched on a few weeks ago, I, I, I want you to remember this. I want you to remember what this is about. Why did mankind fall? Why, what, what did Satan attack? What did Eve have which she could have used to repel the attack? What had God given her? What is this all about? It's about God's Word. And you have it. Shame on you if you don't know it. Shame on you if you're not ear deep in it all the time. You say, well, Jim, you're a preacher. You get to do it for a living. Yeah, I do. Praise God. I've told you before, I think He made me a preacher because I'm so weak. I don't think I'd be in the Word like I am if I weren't a preacher. Right? Shame on you if you don't know it. If you're literate and you have it in your language, how are you going to explain that to the Lord? I didn't know your Word. I didn't know it. Who's responsible for that? <laughs> okay, God you know, has spared no expense to bring you His Word. It's up to you.
what you will do with it. Humanity's easy prey. Satan's never had to change his story. He just casts doubt on the goodness and the character of God and he lies about God's Word and the world runs to this Pied Piper. Right? The, the spiritual being that's behind all world religions. Satan. The Pied Piper. I could do 52 sermons on this subject. I won't. The Bible's full. Just read your Old Testament. Of all of these manifestations of of mankind's attempt to make him accept, himself acceptable to God. There are many of them, and I won't take the time to enumerate them for you. But they all have one thing in common. It's, a, it's the premeditation confession, I don't care what God said. I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. And I know He'll accept me because I'm sincere. I really believe it. Hey, I tell you all the time, Satan believes it. He believes the facts. And every demon that follows him believes the facts. It's not just about believing facts. It's about believing in such a way that you are changed from the inside out. John chapter 3, you are born again. Ephesians chapter 2, you are made alive. You are begotten of God. Everything has changed. So I can almost hear some of you, some of you guys that think ahead. Well, Jim, yeah, okay. What about the people that lived outside the biblical, the area of the biblical revelation? They did not have access to all the revelation that the Old Testament Jews had access to. What about those guys, you know, at the Tower of Babel that were scattered over the face of the whole earth? What about those guys? How do they know? Well, you know where to go with this one, right? You know how to answer this question, right? I think it's probably my most oft-repeated verse from the pulpit because it's so foundational and fundamental. You know where to go, Romans 1, right? Just very quickly. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness because that which is known about God is evident within them. That's all he's got to say. We're all indicted right there, but he continues. For God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. Every human being knows. Every human being knows His Creator is there. Every human being knows. There's not one innocent human being walking the planet that's clueless. It's in your conscience. It's in your soul. It's in your mind. You know. It's Christianity's, you know. <laughs> it's not that men don't know. It's that they do know. That's what it is. It's not that they don't know God is there. It's that they don't like the God that's there. They would prefer to be God themselves. I'll be a little sovereign. 
over my life. I don't care what God says. My point is, we're all guilty, beloved. Maybe another verse that's oft repeated from this pulpit. Colossians 1.16 We were made by Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ. And Romans 1 tells us that we intuitively know and instinctively know that the biblical God is our Creator. You guys know what Romans, Romans 1, 2, and 3 talk about. Romans chapter 1, verse 30, we are haters of God. Romans 3, 11, none seek for God. Romans 3, 12, none who, there are none who does good. Romans 3, 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. This is all of mankind. We're all guilty. We're all guilty. So, if a man tells you he's an atheist, he's a liar. There's no such thing. God never made one of those. He can tell you he's agnostic. He is a liar. God never made one of those. It's written on your conscience. What does conscience mean? It's from the Latin. What does it mean? With knowledge. You have the knowledge of God. God wrote it in your heart, your soul, and your mind. We all know, beloved, the Muslim knows, the Buddhist knows, the Orthodox Jew. We all know. We all know. So every form of human religion is ultimately a direct rebellion against the God in our conscience. So why did I begin this discussion about religion? Going into detail about Satan. Because, as I said earlier, it's his best scam. I, I, I often picture him laughing with his minions, thinking up one more stupid thing for men to believe and watching men believe it. And just watching men believe it and chase after it. So here's the, here's the test. Here's how you know that all the major world religions are false and that they are, in fact, demonic. Here's how you know. It's what they do with Jesus Christ. Okay? It's what they do with Jesus Christ. If they say He is less than God Himself, it's demonic. If they say He was merely a prophet, it's demonic. If they say He is only God among many other gods, it's demonic. If they say He was a false Messiah, it's demonic. If they alter or diminish what the Bible says about Jesus Christ in any way, it is demonic. If they simply ignore Him, it is demonic. I know some of you don't like to hear me talk like this, but this is what love does. Love talks truth. And I know it's not acceptable in the world to talk like this. You know, we're, too all, we're all too PC in the world. But if you love people, you will tell them they are drinking from a poison well if in fact they are. If you love them, you'll tell them this. 
If you don't care, you don't care. And don't tell me it's hard. I know it's hard. God said it would be hard to go with Him. He said it would be hard. He said the world would hate you. And if you talk like this in the world, they will hate you. I'm probably guilty of hate speech in 15 different countries already. Is it hate speech? It's love speech, man. The lie will take you to hell. The man who's telling you the truth is the man who loves you. I think we all can agree with that. So if religion tells either an explicit or an implicit lie about Jesus, it's, it's, it's a lie. And who is the father of lies? You know John 8.44. If it's a lie, it's from the devil. If it's a lie about Jesus, it's demonic. You can't get around it if you believe this. You know, if, you do, if, if this doesn't matter to you, then it doesn't matter. But if you believe this, you can't get around these, these truths that all world religions are demonic because they all tell a lie about Jesus. Every one of them. Beloved, this is important. This is important for you to understand and for you to be able to talk about. Yeah, I know. We're supposed to be politically correct. We're just supposed to let our friends and colleagues believe the lie, right? We don't want to be seen as intolerant. We don't want to be seen as bigots. God forbid that we would speak the truth in the world. And how many times have I told you it's the only reason He's left you here? Is that you might speak the truth in the world. You're not here to have a beautiful family and get a bunch of money and have a great career and retire comfortably. Some of you may do these things, but that's not principally why you're here. You're here to be a witness in the world. And yeah, it's going to cost, and yeah, yeah, people are going to hate you for it. Jesus said it was true. They hated Him. He's the Son of God. <laughs> How do you expect to walk in this, this fallen world, right? How do you expect to walk in this fallen world and say you love Jesus and not be persecuted? How do you expect for that to happen? It's not going to happen, beloved. You know, some people say, well, religions are the same. They're just different pathways to God. Okay, this is naive stupidity. All of the world religions pre present God in a different light. They all talk about the purpose of life in a different way. You can't take things that contradict and say, you know, that, that it's all the kind of the same. You just have to be sincere. This is the stupidest lie that people believe. I love what Ravi Zacharias says about this. I won't read the whole quote. But he says, uh, he says, he says, this is a catastrophic error in thinking. All religions are not the same. All religions do not point to God. All religions do not say that all religions are the same. At the heart of every religion is some uncompromising commitment to who God is and how we're to live. Anyone who claims that all religions are the same betrays a shocking ignorance of all religions. Every religion at its core is exclusive. Beloved, that's just true. So I hope you're not buying into the you know, if you're not drinking the Kool-Aid out in the world, there is one way to God. We know it. 
Jesus said it. He's either a liar or he's God. There's no place in the middle. <laughs> he's a lunatic. As Lewis says, he's a lunatic or he is in fact God. If Jesus speaks the truth, then he is God for he clearly claimed to be And any religion that says anything different, and all of them do, is false. If a religion is false, it is not true. If it is not true, it is a lie. If it is a lie, it originates from the father of lies. It is demonic. So that's why I began the conversation with Satan. I don't want you to ever forget how false religion began. It's a question of God's character and God's Word. So that's why at ICM, you know, I tell people, and I've told some of you, you know, if you don't like the Bible, you're not going to like us. So, hey, glad you came. Enjoy your time. You're probably not going to come back. I've said that to some of you sitting here, right? If you don't love the Bible, you, you won't like this church. This is all we do. We don't care what the Pope says. We don't care what the patriarch says. We don't care what the famous preacher in Nigeria says, Right? We don't care what any of them say. They may say good stuff, but we don't care. We only care what God has said. It's true. Once you start discounting the Bible, it's a long, slippery slope to religion. And if you look at a lot of Christian, so-called Christian denominations now, it's just warmed over pseudo-Christianity. It's just dead religion. And we'll talk more about it next week. So, I hope it's time for you and me to stop worrying about political correctness. I hope we're bigger than that. I hope we're bolder than that. I hope we have a little courage. I hope we'll follow our Lord in this way. He just said the truth. He didn't care if he had 10,000 people behind him or one. He just always said the truth, right? It's what he's called us to, beloved. It's just what he's called us to. It's what He has called us to do. Obviously, I, want to, I just want to say this. Obviously, we need to use wisdom and discernment when we talk to our Muslim friends or our Buddhist friends or our Hindu friends. We're wise and discerning. We build relationships. And, we, and, and we, we have a strategy to speak with them to be able to get to the place where we can speak truth. But sometimes, you know, you just have to say it. You know, you can wait your whole life and not get the right opportunity. Sometimes, if, if it seems right at all, you have to speak. Yes, use wisdom and discernment and much prayer, right? Use much prayer. <laughs> get the mind of God and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as we share truth in this pluralistic world. Jesus says, Blessed are you when men cast insults at you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you on account of me. I was just trying to envision being on some media in the U.S. saying this stuff. Man, the plug would get pulled so fast and I would be a pariah. People would be trying to kill me. The world hates the truth, beloved. And Satan laughs. He just laughs. So all these world religions are his lies. So, next week, we'll extend this discussion from what man-made religions to man-made Christianity is like. I call it pseudo-Christianity. 
I hope you'll come and uh, be able to to hear that uh, that presentation as well. I hope you have a good sense of the origin of the world religions. I hope you understand you have a good sense of your job in the world. Speak truth. Yes, when you do it, people will hate you. But we do it because we care enough and we love enough. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. If you have any questions, please let me know. Always at the other end of the email, happy to respond. Let's pray together. Lord, Your Word is clear. If it's a lie, it's from Satan. If a world religion lies about Jesus, we know its origin. Immediately we know. And Lord, I think what I ask from You tonight is that one, we would have a biblical understanding of what this is really about. And secondly, Father, that You would grant us the faith and the courage and the love to speak truth in the world. Yes, we know the world hated Jesus and they will hate us too. But some will believe. Lord, we pray that You would use us to continue to redeem a people for the glory of Your name. Lord, grant us the boldness and the courage to speak truth and love. We ask for Your help. We, you know we are weak in this. Help us, Lord, we pray. In the beautiful and matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen.